Welcome to episode 313 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, biohacker and author of What Win Wine. Lose weight and feel great with paleo-style meals, intermittent fasting, and wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Cynthia Thurlow, nurse practitioner and author of Intermittent Fasting Transformation, the 45-day program for women to lose stubborn weight, improve hormonal health, and slow aging. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and cynthiathurlow.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this show do not constitute medical advice or treatment, and no doctor-patient relationship is formed. So, pour yourself a mug of black coffee, a cup of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, we are so honored to be sponsored in part today by NutriSense. You guys hear us talk about continuous glucose monitors, aka CGMs, all the time on this show. And in particular, we love NutriSense, and here is why. NutriSense not only provides a 24-7 moving picture of your glucose values, they also offer a unique opportunity for self-discovery. So imagine this. You have a meal, and then you notice a spike in your glucose levels. So you think, hmm, that didn't go well. But here's the magic. Tomorrow, you can make a simple change. You can swap whatever you were eating for something else. Now you have real-time data to evaluate the impact. Maybe instead of that fruit, you have some vegetables. Maybe instead of that oatmeal, you have some yogurt. Maybe instead of that steak, you have some fruit. The continuous feedback loop that you can get with a NutriSense CGM empowers you to make quick, informed iterations with your meals. Maybe the change results in a completely normal glucose level, or maybe it's still a little bit high, but significantly better. Armed with this knowledge, you can refine your choices further, rapidly steering your glucose values back to the normal range. Without a continuous glucose monitor, honestly, you're just guessing and assuming that what you're doing is working. And when you go test your blood sugar levels at the doctor, that's just a snapshot of that one moment in time. It's not telling you what actually was happening throughout the day all the time. What makes NutriSense truly transformative is its ability to create lasting habits and intrinsic motivation. So instead of relying on generic advice from professionals or online sources, or us, you have personalized real-time data from your own body. When you see the direct impact of your choices, it will resonate on a whole new level. This newfound awareness becomes the driving force, making it easier than ever to stay motivated and committed to your health journey. I promise you friends, it's like opening your eyes to the secret to lasting change because it gives you this empowering knowledge that you just didn't have before. So if you're looking to take charge of your health, gain real insights into your body and make sustainable, positive changes, NutriSense is your ultimate partner. Join them and us on this journey of discovery and unlock your full health potential. Get started today at NutriSense.com slash podcast and receive a $30 discount off of your first month, which includes two CGM sensors, free shipping and professional nutritionist support. That's nutrisense.com slash IF podcast for a $30 discount off your first month with two CGM sensors, free shipping and professional nutritionist support, which by the way, I get a lot of feedback on just how helpful that nutritionist support is. It's so easy. You can talk to them in real time in the app and they can really help you make sense of all the data that you receive from your continuous glucose monitor. NutriSense.com slash IF podcast. And I am just so grateful to NutriSense for helping support today's show.
One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed, but with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 313 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Cynthia Thurlow. Hey, Melanie, how are you? I'm good. I've had... A crazy week. Well, two things. The first is that I had an article published in CNBC, which was crazy because it was an actual like profile feature type thing. So not just a quote, but the funny story about it. (laughs) I have tried, I know, I don't know. I've tried very hard to not talk about my age publicly just because of, mostly it's from my acting background. Like you don't want people to know your age or whatever. So I get questions all the time about how old I am. And so when the reporter was writing the story, she 
sent me an email prior to it publishing with like fact checking about some different things and like sign offs for the photos and all of that. And she asked me if she could include my age in it. So I was a little bit stressed and I was talking to my publicist and I was like, like, should I? And we decided, you know, presumably, hopefully if I keep getting more articles, like it's, it's just going to happen someday. So might as well, you know, just let it go out there. So when I told her, I sort of made it clear that I don't normally do that and I don't really want to, but if she wanted to, if she thought, if she thought it was better for the article to go ahead, I was hoping she would either like not do it or put it in like somewhere on the down low. She literally made it the title. Did you see, did you see the article? I did. I did. I guess like as a middle-aged woman where like a lot of women are like embarrassed to say their age, I think we should all be proud of our ages. Was it that you thought there would be some bias if you, because you were a young woman? No, it really mostly goes back to the acting stuff, like, and which I'm not, you know, actively doing right now with the podcasting. So it doesn't matter so much, but like with acting, you would, you could like not get roles because of certain. Really? Okay. So acting resumes, your age is usually not on there or anything. Interesting. Okay. That gives context. So at least like that makes sense to why you would be adverse to discussing that. Yes. It is kind of antithetical to in general, how I am with like transparency and like all the things. And I mean, I do have fears of aging. It was just funny though, because it came out and I was like, oh, well, <laughs> okay. And then the the crazy part though, the second part is that a reporter at Fox reached out about an article and that was more like a quote type situation. It was crazy because it was Fox Health and it was about biohacking. And she also quotes Dave Asprey. So it's like, me and Dave Asprey being quoted. And she quoted me like seven times, which is insane. But then what's even crazier is yesterday I was like, if you Googled, it's probably changed now because news changes so fast. But if you Googled biohacking and Google news, I was on the front page twice, which is crazy. I was the number one hit for the Fox article. And then the CNBC was like a, a few down. I just say all this to say it's like very surreal and exciting. And I just... I'm like, don't, I don't know what's happening, but it's exciting to see biohacking getting out there, like in the mainstream media, you know? Absolutely. Well, and I think there aren't a lot of, like, when I think about biohackers, I, I think there it's, it's very much a male dominated field. So I think it's certainly very encouraging that they're featuring more women. Oh, and actually both of the journalists were women come to think of it. Although I actually got another reporter at Fox reached out. I don't know if he saw the Fox article? I'm guessing. I don't know. Because it was not through my publicist. It was just random. And so that was a mail. But he said he's writing about biohacking (laughs) and wants to interview me. I was like, okay. That's great. Congratulations. Thank you. So what is new with you? Well, I just, I literally just finished a podcast with Dr. Mark Hyman, which was really awesome. He is someone that I've really looked up to in the functional medicine space. I have lots of his books, really respect his work. And it was a lot of fun to record with him. We had a couple like technical glitches. I'm not sure. I'm not sure where that was coming from. That kind of, you know, there's like a little bit of a bump to the beginning to the interview, not because of anything either of us were doing. I think there's just Riverside Gremlins, just like you can have Zencaster and Zoom Gremlins, just things that ensure technology is not working properly. But yeah, that was that was a really cool, a really cool like win this morning and. I just think it's important for more women to get interviewed talking about fasting and 
what is different about fasting for women versus men and, and how, you know, these hormetic stressors can help improve our health. And he was really interested in the supplements. And so we spent a good amount of time talking about creatine and also myo-inositol. And so it was just really, when you admire someone in the health and wellness space, to be able to connect with them and try not to like totally fan geek and be a spaz, because I think for all of us, it's like the recognition, like this is amazing to, to have been able to interact with someone that I've admired for so long, but also just have a conversation and, and feel very comfortable being able to discuss, you know, how we look differently at health and wellness than we did during our training. And so that was really cool. And, and, you know, this is one of those days, like I was trying to explain to my mom who is coming this afternoon, trying to explain to her like, oh yeah, I've got this podcast and I have two with Melanie and like, I don't know if your parents understand podcasting, like they just, my parents just aren't into it. They don't really fully understand the, the utility and the amount of connection you can have with people. And so you try to explain to my mom, like, this is like a serious part of what I do. Like, it's a wonderful thing that I do, but you know, context of what these things represent, your parents are a little bit younger than mine. So they may, they may more like into the concept of podcasting. I mean, they definitely understand because what I'm hearing you say is that does your mom not quite understand that it's like career related, that it's like very serious? Yeah. She thinks it's like a hobby. Like this is my hobby. (laughs) I'm trying to explain to her, if you arrive while I'm recording, you have to sit and be quiet. (laughs) You can't just come in and talk to me, that kind of thing. But I, I think my parents are of a generation like I love to read and, but that's not the only way I learn. And so trying to explain, like, you can listen in your car and you can listen while you're at the gym and you can listen while you're grocery shop. Like there's so many ways to learn. It's not just being in front of a book. So I think it's just this technology piece. And I have aunts who are really into podcasts. So I know it's not per se a generational thing, but it just makes me laugh that my mom, like, I'll just send her a podcast and she'll be like, when am I supposed to listen to this? I'm like, I don't know when you're gardening, like you're retired, you have all this time in the world to do these things. So anywho. Yeah. Well, my parents definitely understand that it's a career and they understand that it's, well, actually (laughs) they definitely understand because whenever I I feel like I'll talk really casually about things. Like if an interview gets rescheduled or something like that and they'll get like worried. I'm like, no, I'm like, mom, it's okay. <laughs> like, like it's all okay. I don't think she, she's listened to some occasionally, but definitely not regularly. Although speaking of interviewing, well, first question, how did you get the interview with Mark Hyman? Was it, were you introduced to him? Their team reached out. So that was nice. Yeah. I was like, yes. <laughs> you know, when people like that reach out, you're like, clear my schedule to make that happen. So I've had to kind of explain to my team that when those kinds of requests come in, they interrupt my workflow. Like we remove things from our schedule. <laughs> we make ourselves available. This is how this works. So yeah, that was, they, they reached out, but I had been in his newsletter earlier this year, the creatine had been in his newsletter. So I, I, I assumed I was like on their radar, which I thought was really cool. And I was like, if nothing more comes out of it, I'm so grateful for that, that opportunity to be part of his newsletter. But yeah, he was a great interviewer. And, and I think you probably know this. I think most people probably know this. Like there's, there are people who interview at like a level that you're just kind of like, I hope to be at that level at some point. And he really did an amazing job. Like ask me things other people have never asked. And I think. Well, I don't think I know I appreciate that. So that's amazing. 
the reason I was thinking about it was thank you for your intro to Gabor Monte because I interviewed him. Oh, and I was going to say, I think I feel like that'll be the one episode that my mom, well, I don't know if she wants to listen to it because I talked about her a lot. Kind of like you said, he, it turned into like a therapy session. Totally. I mean, he's so, it's interesting. I don't know if you saw there was like an event where he was interviewing Prince Harry. And I feel so conflicted about like, I'm, I'm just like, I'm glad that Prince Harry's had so much success and with that book and his message, but I don't have any, like, it's not, a, it's not a slight against him or Megan. I, I, it's not any of my business. I just, I was like, I feel like it's so personal. <laughs> but yeah. He is probably one of my favorite interviews because I think you have to have done the work to be able to interview someone like that. And, and it would be very inauthentic otherwise. I don't know if you feel similarly after interviewing him that experience. <laughs> I was like, I'm basically having like a therapy session with Gabor Mate, except like thousands of people are listening. It's fine. <laughs> Good thing I go to therapy every week anyways. Oh, we also had like three times the call dropped out. Like he just went away. And I was like, my heart like sank. And at the um, very beginning, I was so nervous. I was just so nervous about it. I introduced him and I, I said like his name. And then I said, Dr. Mate to introduce him. He corrected me and he said, it, it's Gabor, because he was saying to call him by his first name. But I was like so like on edge that I thought he was saying that I mispronounced his name. And it was like the most mortified moment I th- I've ever had on the show. And it wasn't even a real moment because that wasn't what he meant. It was incredible. So I, my mom might listen to that was, was the whole point. Yeah, I sent the book to my dad. I'm not sure he'll ever read it. But I, I think that it's a really... There are certain books that come along that you just you recognize how impactful they are, and on a very substantive level, like not on a like it's a joy read. Like some books are just fun to read, and and people are fun to interview. But that book, when I read it, I was like, wow, this is this is a book that took ten years to write, and this is his life's work, and this is a book that I mean is going to have a, a tremendous ripple effect for years to come and and what a joy to be able to connect with someone like that. So I'm I'm so glad that you were able to interview him. And thank you because you made that connection. So I really appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. Well, you've done that for me many times. So we have a nice little overlapping pool of guests. I have one more thing to touch on before we jump in. This actually Well, it relates to one of our questions, so I'm trying to decide if I should talk about it now. I'll talk about it now briefly, and then I'll talk about it a little bit more in one of the questions. But today, so hopefully listeners are listening today that this airs. If you're listening today, March 17th, then this is your last day to get the launch special for my new Magnesium 3 and 8. So I'm so excited about this Magnesium Basically, when I created my magnesium eight, which is eight different types of magnesiums, I did not specifically include magnesium three and eight because it's a special type of magnesium that specifically crosses the blood brain barrier. It has that unique purpose. And then, secondly, it requires a pretty high therapeutic dose to get the intended benefits. So, if I had included it in the blend, it just wasn't feasible. Like you wouldn't have gotten enough of it to actually get the effects that you wanted. So I released it as a standalone. So it's called the magnesium nightcap. You can take it to help with your everything related to your brain. So sleep, mood, memory. And this is why I'm going to talk about it in a little bit about sleep. But so specifically, if you'd really like to support your sleep, if you'd like to support your cognitive function, the studies have shown that magnesium three and eight can help, like I said, with memory, 
learning, mood. It has been shown to reduce anxiety and depression symptoms, and it's also been shown to be neuroprotective. You definitely want to get my magnesium nightcap. So again, today, the 17th is the last day to get the launch special and the launch special is 15% off. And the code for that is nightcap15. However, some lucky people who got my magnesium eight special, like the, so the people who grabbed that launch special, they actually have a special code for 25% off, which is awesome. And that code was emailed to them. So all the more reason, if you didn't get that code to be on all the lists so that you don't miss the specials going forward. So for that, it is avalonx.us slash email list. And you can text avalonx to 877-861-8318. And when you text that number, you'll also get a one-time 20% off code, which is great. So yeah, those are those details. And I'll probably circle around just a tiny bit to the magnesium and our sleep question. But just wanted to get that in there. And we do have another sort of announcement. We could share that at the end of the show. Sounds good. It's like a teaser. Friends, I am so excited to tell you about one of my new favoriteest things ever. Okay, so you guys know I eat a lot of cucumbers. I don't think that this is any secret. And I find myself throwing away pounds, yes, pounds of cucumber peels every single night. I felt so awful just throwing it in the trash. It seemed like such a waste. I'd always wanted to try composting, aka a sustainable approach to turning food waste into healthy dirt, but it seemed really intimidating and not very practical. So it was on the to-do list for quite a while. So you can imagine how thrilled I was when a company called Lomi by Pila reached out to me wanting to sponsor the show. Normally I have to think a little bit about all the brands that reach out to me. I was an immediate yes. I was so excited. I got my Lomi device. It is incredible. Lomi allows me to turn my food scraps into dirt with the push of a button. Lomi is a countertop electric composter that turns scraps to dirt in under four hours. By comparison, if you were to compost naturally, it would probably take at the shortest around six to eight weeks and maybe even up to a year. But nope, with Lomi, I can literally do it in four hours. There's no smell when it runs and it is super quiet. I've been using Lomi for a few months now. It is substantially reducing my waste. I was taking out garbage bags all the time. It's probably cut that down by about 30 to 50%. In fact, I love it so much that I bought another Lomi for my parents for Christmas. So now with my Lomi, I throw out way less garbage. That means that waste is not going to landfills and producing methane. Instead, I turn my waste into nutrient-rich dirt that you can actually use to feed your plants. And Lomi is super cool. It has three different settings. It has the Eco Express setting, which is low energy consumption, provides the fastest results, and is good for your food waste. It has the Lomi Approved setting, that's five to eight hours, and you can actually put in Lumi Approved bioplastics and other compostable commercial goods and packaging that are Lumi Approved. And then there's the Grow Mode, that's 24 hours. It's low heat with a longer duration, and that actually preserves the microorganisms the most to help the soil and promote carbon storage in the soil. I am all about regenerative agriculture. So the fact that we can help put carbon back into the soil is so, so incredible. Lomi is something I have instantly fallen in love with. And if you guys are anything like me, I know you will as well. Turn your food waste into dirt with the press of a button with Lomi. Use the code IFPODCAST to save $50 at lomi.com slash IFPODCAST. 
That's L-O-M-I.com slash IF podcast with the promo code IF podcast to save $50. And we'll put all this information in the show notes. Okay. Shall we jump into questions? Absolutely. Okay. So to start things off, we have a question from Stephanie and this comes still from when we gathered all of those AMA questions, but she says, I just recently trained and completed a marathon. Can you discuss fueling for endurance in perimenopause? You know, I've thought about this question in the context of this is an intermittent fasting podcast, but when I have women in perimenopause or menopause that are training for big events, I am not a fan of a great deal of fasting. So 12, 13 hours fasted or digestive rest, however you want to reframe that, I think you have to not be afraid to have some carbohydrate. That doesn't mean overwhelming amounts of carbohydrate. I think the the first thing that I think about is, are you sleeping? Are you recovering? Are you eating an anti-inflammatory diet? I find a lot of women in perimenopause do best really limiting or eliminating gluten and grains. And so I do have some very active women in some of my groups. And so the way that we kind of dance around this is protein is consistent cycling carbohydrates, depending on how you feel. Obviously, if you're insulin resistant, really being mindful of discretionary carbohydrates and making sure they're coming from real whole food sources. So whether it's sweet potato or root vegetables or low glycemic fruit, like berries and citrus fruit, I think it's very, very dependent. Stephanie, the way to answer your question is really, you know, are you insulin sensitive? How's your sleep? How are you managing the volume of training? Because I find that a lot of women who've been avid endurance athletes in their 20s and 30s just don't recover quite as well. So making sure you're getting enough recovery, making sure that you're, you know, eating enough food and not over fasting, I think are the big kind of high points. Obviously, my area of expertise is not training high level athletes. And if you look at people like Dr. Stacey Sims, she is anti-fasting for women and she is someone that works with like elite athletes and individuals that are doing a high volume of training. So I, I think it's it's very unique, but I would say really being cognizant of the lifestyle piece that goes along with that doesn't mean it's impossible. Just making sure you're getting enough recovery, getting enough sleep, making sure that you're you're getting your macros and certainly not to restrict food, especially when you're doing a large volume. Like I've had girlfriends that were training for Ironman, Ironman races. <laughs> Whenever I say that, I always feel like I'm like, Iron Man, Iron Man. I guess it would be like, yeah, Iron Man's, I guess. Yeah, like semantics in my brain. But I think it's really important to just make sure you're not overtraining. I think that's the big, you know, this role of hormesis, beneficial stress in the right amount at the right time, really, really important. I just see a lot of women that are still doing, and I'm not picking on CrossFit. I'm just going to give that as an example. CrossFit. Orange Theory Fitness, really intense exercise, not enough recovery, and they just, you know, they their cortisol just gets depleted. So just make sure you're taking care of you while you're doing that high volume of training. Melanie, what are your thoughts? Awesome. That was very, very helpful. You definitely know a lot more about that than I do. It's not at all my forte, the athletic realm, but I will just echo some of the things that Cynthia said, which is that in general... I like to think that I am macronutrient agnostic and that I always want people to find what works best for them. I do think in general, a lot of people 
especially not in our fasting and, you know, obviously keto community will be in a place of really fueling, you know, endurance and a lot of activity on carbs and, you know, constantly doing the fuel ups and stuff like that. And they can find great benefit from switching to a low carb state to fuel endurance because it just really, it really pairs well with endurance because we, you have essentially unlimited fat stores, even people who are thin in any given race, you're not going to run out of fat compared to carbs where, you know, that's requiring constant fuel ups and things like that. And it's more of a roller coaster type situation. So in general, perimenopausal women aside, I feel like low carb ketogenic diets can be really great for endurance once people's bodies adapt to them. That said, I think it's really important, especially for women. And I'm really just echoing what Cynthia said, you know, the body can get too stressed from these type of things. So that's where bringing in, I like how Cynthia was talking about carb ups might be really beneficial. So basically finding the right approach to the macronutrients that will allow you to both fuel longer term endurance type activities on a lower carb approach while still making sure that you're getting in, you know, the carb ups and the way that you need to not be overly stressed. Do you do like intense actual carb? Cause you normally eat lower carb, right? Do you have like carb up days at all? I do. I always say in the context of this conversation, this is what works for me because we get so many questions across social media. My team's like, we have to just follow you into the gym so that people understand. So I typically aim to do three strength training days a week and two of the three are legs. And I do some combination of upper body. So I try to be really efficient because I genuinely don't love the gym that we go to, but we don't have a lot of options because we're in a we're not where we were before in our state. So I'll just leave it there. So I'm like very efficient. I get in, I get out. I also do a lot of zone two training. And I think Peter Atia does a really good job of explaining what zone two training is. And that's just being physically active. It doesn't necessarily have to be like on a treadmill or stair mill or elliptical trainer, but I do plenty of zone two. And then one of the things that I think has been a needle mover for me personally is doing Pilates, largely because I recently learned I'm hypermobile. And so it's really important for me to stretch. And so Pilates is exercise for my brain, although I'm working my core, I do find it challenging. And those are like the three things I try to really focus on and be diligent about. And that works well for me. So when I'm doing, when I'm doing strength training, I'm trying to keep my heart rate up. So I'm, I'm not necessarily resting more than a minute in between sets. And that's with my trainer's approval. It's not like I'm doing anything to hurt myself, but I do like to get sweaty. And I definitely think that each one of us has to kind of find what works best for me. Maintaining muscle is really important and I'm at a disadvantage. Ironically, I was talking to Mark Hyman about this, like once you're in per- late perimenopause, early menopause, you're at a hormonal disadvantage about building muscle unless you're actively working against it. And so that's why the strength training piece is so important. But I think for me, I just stopped enjoying the CrossFit type classes. I didn't, en- I stopped enjoying those conditioning classes And I think there's a point to which you get uh, the diminishing law of returns. And so I I think for me, what I've learned is this is what works for me. I eat a carnivore-ish diet. So generally high in protein, lower in fat. So I do better with leaner meat. And then the carbs, I've actually been experimenting more with low glycemic fruit and having a little bit more discretionary carbohydrate just to see how it impacts my sleep. And so I've been pleasantly surprised this is the experiment of the end of one. I'm not yet ready to say this applies to everybody, but I've been experimenting with more carbohydrate 
not a lot, but experimenting with more to see how it impacts my sleep quality. And I've been pleasantly surprised, but not yet ready to like share. It's this much carbohydrate because I'm still experimenting. But I do find that when I carbohydrate cycle, that I'm less likely to feel like I'm depriving myself. And I think everyone has to decide what makes them feel good. I don't do well with a high fat diet. That's why traditional keto wouldn't work well for me. I just don't feel good. I just recognize that I do better with leaner meat. And that's something that's been corroborated now by nutrigenomic testing, which is taking like genetics, my genetics and kind of looking at all the data. And, and ironically enough, without this person even knowing how I ate, she was telling me exactly my ideal way to eat. And I was like, hey, well, that makes sense. At least that validates I'm not crazy. <laughs> so I know that you tend to be high protein, high carb, correct? Yeah. It's so interesting because I literally, one of my first memories of us doing this show, actually, I think is when you were sharing your diet. It was probably on this show. And you, and you made the comment about the leaner meat piece, which I feel is sort of rare because there's always all this emphasis on, you know, the fat part of things because people are so anti-carb often that people don't normally say that they eat leaner meat when they're existing in, not that we're doing keto, but like in this sphere, if that makes sense. Like if you're in like the low fat, you know, obviously like more vegan camp, you're going to you would be all, all vegans wouldn't be eating meat anyways. But point is, it's like a vibe that I don't hear a lot. I remember you saying that and I was like, oh, it's like me too. Because yes, so historically I did go through a period of like keto and very high fat. Although interestingly, it was really plant-based fats. Like I basically would eat tons of coconut oil and lean meats. And then I switched to leaner meats. I basically just took out the fat. <laughs> um, then I brought back the carbs in the form of low glycemic fruits, like you're mentioning. And what's really interesting hearing about your nutrigenomic experience. So when I do those tests, they actually say that I'm better with low carb and keto rather than the carb side of things. But intuitively, I just looking back at my timeline, and again, I'm all about like people need to find what works for them. So I'm always hesitant to talk about my like what I eat or my diet history because I feel like people want to do what I'm doing exactly, which is not not the takeaway message here. But what's interesting is that I was low carb for I wonder how long, probably three, three or four, three years maybe, and then I brought back the fruit, and I literally just felt like my body was coming alive. I was like, oh my goodness. And what's interesting is I do remember like the very first few days, I did feel like I got back into a little blood sugary type feeling or blood sugar swing feeling, but I was still fasting. I powered through it and then I very quickly adapted. And then I realized I'm just so much happier, like having my my carb up essentially every night with fruit and like filling up those glycogen stores. And then I sleep better. I just feel more, this is going to sound like very vague, but I just feel more like lighter and glowy. Like I like the way fruit <laughs> makes me feel hydrated, I think. I don't really have to hardcore stress about electrolytes as much as when I was low carb. For me, it works really, really well. And I still stay with the lean meats, the high protein. I don't really ever add fat, but I do eat salmon a few times a week and that's that's actually pretty fatty. Do you add fats? So this is the only time you'll ever hear, hear me utter this phrase, plant-based fats. But this is where no, I, I and I'm all, and I'm not being snarky. It's just I, I feel like I have to preemptively say 
I do well with like macadamia nuts, which I'm obsessed with. I do well with like MCT oil, coconut oil, butter. I tolerate ghee. You know, if I want nut butter or extra virgin olive oil or avocados, I do really well with those. But I'm again, I'm that's the one like lever that I have to be the most careful with. And it drives my husband crazy because leaner like beef is more expensive. So sometimes our grocery bills are mitigated by the fact that half the house likes fatty meat and the other half doesn't. And so it's just, you know, it's just one of those things. So I I think for everyone listening, you might do well with low carb. You might not. I think it's all about a degree of experimentation and being open-minded. And, you know, even though I'm not a traditional keto person, I sometimes get accused of being one, which I'm really not. I'm too, I'm too high protein to be keto But I do find that everyone should be open-minded. If something's not working for you, that's okay. Like for me, I'm also someone that needs more electrolytes. So if I'm doing low carb and I can tell on days when I'm depleting glycogen stores, so stored sugar, because I'm urinating more and I'm like, okay, I need more electrolytes to kind of hold on to some of that water, but it's being depleted because you're, you know, you're going lower carbohydrates, your body's kind of breaking down this glycogen source and you're urinating out, not just sodium, but other electrolytes. But yeah, definitely a good point to honor what works best for you and not feel pressure to do something that doesn't make your body feel good. Because if I were fully ketogenic, I probably would not be feeling as good as I do, but that's okay. Yeah, exactly. And I really encourage people to not lump all carbs into one basket Like for me, for example, I do really well with the fruit, like starches. No, (laughs) like if I eat starches, I fill up like a balloon, like with water retention and it messes with my energy levels. And, but some people do great with starches, like that's perfect for them. And some people fruit is like not their thing. I understand that starches and fruit are all, you know, glucose, sucrose and fructose, but the ratio of them and whether or not they're complex or not can affect how your body breaks them down and processes them. And then of course there's the gut microbiome aspect. So it's just so individual and so unique. I as well, like you, and I think we've talked about this before, but I, I do prefer for me the, the plant-based fats. Interestingly, the animal fats are very satiating for me, which is a good thing, but they just feel, I think we talked about this before. They just, for me, they feel, I feel like heavier in my body or something. Like I, I feel like I process the plant-based fats better. They don't seem to like slow down my system, if that makes sense. Yeah, I can't. The last time I had duck fat fries, I just about vomited. They tasted delicious. And then like two hours later, I was like, and I have, let me just preemptively say, my gallbladder is very healthy. <laughs> it's not my gallbladder. It's just the way that my body responds to animal-based fats. And so this is a perfect example of like the N of one and experimenting to find what works best. And if you're insulin sensitive, you have a lot more flexibility than if you don't. I think that's like a big takeaway. Yes, definitely. So awesome. Okay. Thank you, Stephanie, for your question. Shall we go on to our next one? Sure. Next question is Paul, how to improve REM versus deep sleep as tracked on Aura specific strategies or supplements to improve either depending on what we seem to be getting enough of on a regular basis. Awesome, Paul. Well, thank you so much for your question. So yeah, for people who don't have an aura ring, something that's really cool about it is you can see your different sleep stages throughout the night, like how long you spent in each stage. And again, 
it's using a lot of different data to determine that. So it's not actually measuring your brainwaves, but it does seem to have pretty intelligent AI in order to come up with those numbers. So you might realize that you are, you know, lacking or that you might benefit from more of one certain type of sleep. So REM sleep, I got a lot of information from this. I got a lot of this information actually from Aura's website, appropriately enough. So it's actually known as paradoxical sleep because it engages the body and the brain very similar to when you're awake, which is super cool. So 80% of our dreams actually occur in REM sleep. And the amount I had written down, the amount, it occurs every 90 to 120 minutes And, oh, so early adults should spend around 20 to 25% of their total time in REM sleep. So like the equivalent of that is basically if you're sleeping seven to eight hours, then you should have around 90 minutes in REM. So as far as, oh, and then the purpose of REM is that it seems to help with our brain health and our emotions and our, our mental wellness. So it's basically... Like I said, it's when a lot of dreaming occurs. It's really important for if you have, you know, anxiety or emotional experiences during the day. It's when the brain basically deals with that and reduces the amygdala's response and can reduce your adrenaline and it can actually help you process the things that happen in our stressful lives. So it's really important for emotional balance. So can you specifically increase REM? Eh. <laughs> yes and no. In general, stepping back, it's probably best to just focus on your entire sleep as a whole rather than, you know, the very specific sleep stages, but I'm going to give a lot of caveats to that. And also, if you had some sort of disorder, understandably, that affected a certain type of sleep, that would definitely be a different situation. But in general, I think the best approach is just supporting sleep in general which is a lot of the sleep habits that we talk about a lot on this show. So I do all the crazy sleep things. It's one reason I am so in awe of people like Cynthia traveling all the time because I need I need all of my sleep stuff to sleep well. So things like a dark, cool room and studies have actually shown, for example, that light exposure specifically affects REM and temperature specifically affects REM. So specifically in REM, our core body temperature drops So already in general, having a cool sleeping environment is important for sleep, but especially for REM, it can be really important. You know, keeping it dark, blackout curtains can be game changers. I remember when Jen used to host this show, I would talk about blackout curtains all the time. And the way it was with Jen (laughs) was basically like, I would talk about something ad nauseum for like weeks, months often years. And then finally she would like try it and totally be on board. And I remember the day she tried blackout curtains and she was like, why did it take take her so long to do this? So blackout curtains can be amazing. Sleep masks can be amazing. I use, speaking of the cooling piece, I use a cooling mattress. I use the Uller. You use a cooling mattress, right? I'm embarrassed to admit to the community that I was gifted an Uller and we like complete quiet with sleep and neither one of us could tell it was just this can like consistent noises drive me crazy and so it was the the noise it wasn't the coldness like I appreciated and liked that we both liked that but we actually gave it to a family member who doesn't doesn't mind I mean I completely believe in the in in them and I think they're a wonderful wonderful option provided you don't mind the noise 
How long ago was that? That was gifted to me in 2021. Okay, so I'm just wondering if it's their newest one. I'm assuming they probably have consistently, but I have friends who love theirs. Like they were like, oh my God, you're going to love it. And after a week we were like, no, (laughs) no. But I do keep my house very cold at night. So that definitely helps. I will say the one thing when I travel, the, the rare occasions, the thing I miss the most is the Uller. Because I just, it is a game changer for me. It's amazing because noise aside, I wear earplugs and I don't hear anything with those, which I will make a recommendation because it can be hard to find earplugs, especially for women if you have small, small ears. So I use, it's the Howard Light spelled, I don't know if that's how you say it, spelled L-E-I-G-H-T, women earplugs. They're pink. I've been using these for years, 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 and they are amazing. So we can put a link to those in the show notes. But yeah, when I travel, the the heat retention, like all of that heat building up in the covers, I just feel like I'm suffocating. And what's really cool about the cooling mattress is you're not freezing, you're not like it's not uncomfortable. It just basically really pulls the heat out of your body that's building up. So you still get to use the covers and feel all warm and snuggly, but the heat is not building up and I just find it a, a game changer for me. And then so some of the other things for sleep. Well, obviously nice sleep habits like hygiene. So winding down every night, you know, turning off social media. I use red lights to light my apartment. I love, this is something I always leave out of my sleep routine and I should remember to say it more. On YouTube, I love the Hertz therapies that they have. So like I play this one called, it sounds really woo woo, but it's called Love Energy open heart chakra, but it's 528 Hertz frequency. I just play that and it plays for a long time. It's like a two hour track. And then it typically just goes into other tracks that are also playing similar things. And having that ambient sound that is that therapeutic Hertz sound is incredible for me for winding down. The power of sound, I don't think can be underestimated with its digital health effects. So, or overestimated can't be overestimated. And then just some last few quick things. Going back to specifically REM sleep, alcohol has been shown to delay REM sleep and lead to less REM sleep overall. So drinking right before bed, probably not a good idea. Marijuana use increases deep sleep, but it can reduce REM sleep, which I realized I never said what REM stands for. It stands for rapid eye movement which people are probably familiar with, it's because people's eyes move back and forth rapidly during REM sleep. And then also caffeine can have an effect. So if you're having caffeine close to bed, it can potentially invert your sleep cycle, which is kind of crazy. So it can actually make REM happen earlier and slow wave happen later. So that's really interesting to me. And then, oh, so this is really important. So Obviously, we always want to be focusing on sleep quality. This also might be a thing where sleep quantity is also really important. I just really want people to focus on sleep quality in general. But REM does occur during the last couple of hours of sleep. So it's a thing where if you are getting just quantity-wise less sleep, you're not giving yourself ample time to even, you know, get to REM sleep and get enough of it. So it's something where it actually really is important, like time in bed might be really important. And then to circle back to what I was talking about in the beginning, (laughs) magnesium. 
So, so GABA is really, really important for sleep as is magnesium and supporting that process. And then magnesium just as a standalone, it's been shown to be calming, relaxing to support sleep. So magnesium in general does this. And then, like I was saying before, magnesium three and eight is if you want one type of magnesium to really, really support sleep, you really want magnesium three and eight. It's going to cross the brain and it's going to help induce sleep and have a relaxing effect, especially for people who are struggling to fall asleep and not wanting to deal with pharmaceuticals and things like that. Like this can be a really powerful supplement to support your sleep. And it's, I say it's natural. It is modified to, you know, be in that form. Like we make it to be in that form to cross the blood brain barrier, but it is magnesium. It's not like a pharmaceutical. So like I was talking about in the beginning, if you're listening today, it's your last chance to get 15% off my magnesium nightcap, which is that magnesium three and eight. Just use the code nightcap15 at avalonx.us. If you're one of the lucky people that got the launch special from my magnesium eight, which is my full spectrum broad blend, they'll have a 25% off code that they were uniquely emailed. If you're listening past the 17th, use the code Melanie Avalon to get 10% off. Or if you want a 20% off code, sorry for all the codes, text Avalon X to 877-861-8318. Okay. That was a lot about sleep. Cynthia, what are your thoughts on REM? When it comes to sleep support, there's a lot. I, I remind my patients to be thinking about sleep when they wake up in the morning. So we know that even if you're not tracking sleep, it's helpful to just kind of lean into lifestyle. A lot of things that Melanie did a really nice job explaining, getting sunlight on your retinas, which are getting sunlight on your eyes first thing in the morning, usually within the first hour, getting five to 10 minutes. You can sit outside and drink your coffee, walk your dogs, etc. That can be very beneficial. It helps suppress melatonin and increase cortisol. I think about the things that are lifestyle mediated. So getting physical activity every day, all of us would probably agree if we're sedentary all day long, you're not going to get as good as sleep. Our bodies are conditioned to move. Even if that means you do water aerobics or you do zone two training and just walk, definitely very beneficial. In fact, sometimes I feel like my less intense workouts are the ones that help me sleep best. In terms of things that I think are the greatest needle movers at night, I would concur cold, dark room. I wear a silk sleep mask every night. It's not sexy, but guess what? Light exposure on your eyes in the middle of the night can actually cause some wakening up. And I think for many women, they sleep really well until 35, 40. And then all of a sudden sleep starts to become a little bit more elusive. And you start to think about hormonal fluctuations, things that are changing in the body, less progesterone, which can impact sleep quality, certainly onset of sleep, certainly anxiety and depression, waking up anxious, waking up with your heart pounding. So before I talk more about like lifestyle things, I want to just mention if you're 35 or 40 and you're starting to see your sleep quality erode or you're 45 or 50 and you've been there for a long time, get your hormones checked. Progesterone can be life-changing for a lot of people. And actually I'm in the midst of doing a program through A4M and they validate a lot of things that I tell women Oral progesterone is going to be sedating. It's going to help with sleep onset. It upregulates GABA. It upregulates this inhibitory neurotransmitter, which can be very, very helpful for sleep onset. The other piece is for a lot of women, and there's a lot of still a great deal of fear mongering about hormones in general. I do find that for those that it's appropriate for, estradiol replacement can help with sleep duration. So you fall asleep with progesterone and all the lifestyle things. And then estrogen can help with 
kind of buffering that waking up in the middle of the night. The other thing I would say is if you're waking up and you're not getting good sleep quality and your REM and deep sleep are not ideal based on whoop band data or ring data, I start to think about, you know, is it a blood sugar issue? There are a lot of women who are not insulin sensitive in their perimenopausal years into menopause. So glucometers, CGMs can be very helpful for teasing out what's going on in addition to HRT. And then in terms of supplements, the supplement that has made the biggest net impact in my sleep quality is myo-inositol. I know that we talked about that uh, a few weeks ago when Scott and I did a podcast, but really has made such a huge impact. And we know that that helps with sleep architecture, both with falling and staying asleep. It's actually part of Huberman Labs, Dr. Huberman's, Andrew Huberman's sleep stack, which I think says a lot. It works for men and women, but that in and of itself, it also helps with insulin sensitivity, helps upregulate GABA, dopamine, serotonin, all these neurotransmitters that can help us fall asleep. And then beyond that, I would say, if appropriate, melatonin can be very, very helpful for sleep. When I look at my sleep metrics on my aura, and so I've been able to track two years worth of metrics, the things that have been the needle movers are the things that Melanie and I have kind of talked about, but also the use of HRT and myo-inositol for me personally. I would say I would also kind of tag in there other things that are helpful, soaking in magnesium. Usually I do a magnesium soak. You can soak your feet, soak your body. There are ways to increase the absorption of magnesium through your skin. I think many people remember I've talked extensively about the fact that I have this whole arrhythmia background in cardiology. And so we were constantly tinkering magnesium levels, potassium levels with patients to lessen the likelihood they would go back into arrhythmias, dysrhythmias, et cetera. And so magnesium is really important. There's different types of magnesium, as I know Melanie has talked about, but I like to use transdermal magnesium. The product Ancient Minerals does a nice job. I have no affiliation with them. They just have a nice high quality product. You can buy it on Amazon. And then taking oral magnesium, I think can be very, very helpful. I have like a sleep stack with myo-inositol and then also magnesium L3 and 8 because that crosses the blood brain barrier. But I would say those are like good things to start with. But if you don't have great sleep metrics, I think it's more important that you reflect on how you feel and not get caught up in the metrics. Because I think some people live and die by their data. And I just kind of look at it and go, oh, that's great. I had three hours of REM sleep. I had two and a half hours of deep sleep. That's fantastic. That's really good, especially for someone at my stage of life. But I think kind of being cognizant of the things that are going to be the big needle movers are important, but don't get caught up in the metrics. Just like I would say that people shouldn't get caught up. Like if they have a blood, a blood sugar spike on a CGM, like you just look at it and go, okay, that's good data to have. Let's not do that again. So I think that that can be very helpful. I take AG1 several times a week after working out and when I'm ready to break my fast. And it really makes me feel unstoppable. I love to add it to a protein smoothie or actually will drink it with filtered water. And I love both variations. My 17 year old also enjoys AG1 after a workout to ensure he stays really well hydrated. A great deal of what I focus on in my personal life is ongoing gut health improvement. And I do feel fundamentally that AG1 has contributed significantly to improvements in my gut health over the last three years. I feel as if the key health benefits from multivitamins, minerals, pre and postbiotics all work together synergistically to improve my gut microbiome. And AG1 is way more than just greens. 
It's important to note that it's made with 75 super high quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients that deliver incredible benefits to the gut microbiome, as well as sleep support, assistance with energy, and so much more. So if you want to take full ownership of your health, today is a good time to start. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. I find that these five free travel packs are so convenient when you're traveling. In fact, I was in Los Angeles last week and I used one each day that I was away. Go to athleticgreens.com slash ifpodcast. That's athleticgreens.com slash ifpodcast and check it out. Yeah, you touched on so many good things. I'm so glad you brought in all of the physical activity piece. Yeah, because so much of supporting sleep at night is like being active during the day, kind of and kind of like with the early light exposure. I'm so glad as well what you just said, I think is so important because I think if there's one thing that's really going to um, not help your sleep, it's going to be really stressing about your sleep. <laughs> so ironically, all of this self-data quantification can sometimes have the effect of not helping because people are so stressed about the numbers. So a reason I do like Aura is I feel like it's very encouraging in how it talks to you. Like it doesn't really make me stressed. I was worried that it was going to make me stressed about things sleep-wise, but it really doesn't seem to have that effect on me. I will say if there is like a crazy night where I know that it's going to be really bad and I have to do something the next day, which is a rare occasion, but it does happen. I just don't look. Mostly this is like traveling. I just don't look at it that that day. And then I did think of like two other things that made me think of. So I recently posted actually a poll on my Instagram about what were people's favorite sleep hacks. And you know, I wish I could remember what the results were. People did really like different supplements. Sleep Remedy. So Dr. Kirk Parsley Sleep Remedy is really amazing. That's the one supplement where people were, when they did that poll, they were like messaging me <laughs> that one specifically. So it's basically a combination of different all natural precursors to what your brain needs to fall asleep. So it works synergistically to help you fall asleep. So um, definitely check that out. You can go to melanieavalon.com slash sleep remedy. The code melanieavalon will get you a discount. And then also going back to the alcohol piece, I do think it's really important. I can't emphasize enough the importance of if you are drinking alcohol to drink like dry farm wines. It's funny because people will say, I actually had this conversation on Instagram with somebody the other day. They made like a black and white blanket statement. Like you can't sleep well and drink alcohol. And like, I know for me, that's not a true statement because if I drink dry farm wines, minimal to moderate consumption, not directly before bed, like I sleep fine. Like I can see it on my ring. So I think you know, if you are drinking alcohol, doing it in a way that is not detrimental to your sleep. So not drinking right before bed and not having a lot of the conventional alcohol and wine in the US is just not good. It's high in sugar, high in alcohol, high in additives. I've said this a lot, but if the wine is making your teeth red, that is not from the grapes. That is because <laughs> that is because there is a dye added to the wine called mega purple. So we do not want this stuff in our body. And I think it can have, you know, a pretty detrimental effect on our health. So that's why I personally love dry farm wines. They are low sugar, low alcohol. And I found that having them, I can sleep well. I can have my drink and drink it too. So our 
link for them is dryfarmwines.com slash I have podcast and that will get you a bottle for a penny, which is awesome. Anything else about the sleep thing? No, I think we've got it. Do we have time for one more? Or we could share our announcement. Sure. How should we share the announcement? We did not plan this. Maybe I'll just say it. Okay, sure. Well, Melanie knows what I'm going to share next, but I preemptively want to thank Melanie and Jen and the IF Podcast team and the IF Podcast community for an amazing, amazing last 10 months of being a co-host and welcoming me so graciously and so openly. My business is kind of shifting in a different direction. And so I will be stepping down from the co-hosting duties with IF Podcast at the end of April. And we already have another co-host and I'm going to let Melanie share that news next week. But I wanted to make sure that listeners heard it from me directly. I haven't talked about it on social media. I won't talk about it on social media until after the announcement comes out. But I want to just wholeheartedly thank everyone for so much love and support. My team and I have been really overwhelmed with wonderful messages and lots and lots of support. And it's been a really fun last 10 months. I know that's a big announcement for listeners, but I just wanted to emphasize how wonderful this whole journey has been. I feel like it really took the show in you know, a new direction. I so love the, well, first of all, our, our friendship. I really appreciate your support and friendship and everything. And so it was just really thrilling to do the show together. I really love the clinical perspective that you have brought to everything. I feel like, I feel like we had a lot of questions building up that honestly, we just wouldn't really touch on the show because we didn't have the, you know, prior to you being on the show, we didn't have the knowledge or expertise to really talk about all of these things that women experience so much with like their hormonal issues and perimenopause and menopause and all of this stuff. So it was really exciting to really be able to provide that resource to listeners. So I just really want to thank you for everything that you brought to the show. It's been really amazing. You'll be so missed, but it'll be um, open door. You'll have to come back for like a reunion episode at some point. And I would love that. And I, I I hope listeners know that Melanie and I are genuinely good friends and super supportive of one another. And none of that will change. That was one of the first things I said to Melanie when I shared this news that, you know, this is not a breakup. This is just a pause. And I know that the new co-host, I was really delighted to hear who the new co-host would be. I think you all will be very, very pleased with who this is. I'm not going to give any more details than that because it's not my place to share. But I wanted to make sure that that everyone knew this is not a breakup. This is just a pause. I think that one thing I've learned in the past two years is that I have to really hold true to you know the direction my business is going in. And I think with the book last year, things were a whirlwind, a wonderful whirlwind. But now things have kind of settled back down. It's like, okay, what are the things I need to be focusing in on? And my kiddos are getting older and, you know, I have one who will be heading to college, gosh, in like just over a little bit of a year and another in three and a half years. And so getting really deliberate with my time. But thank you, Melanie. It's been such a pleasure to be able to co-host with you and, and you know, be able to interact with these amazing, amazing listeners and, and community that you and Jen built. No, thank you. Thank you, really. And I was thinking about it just now with Jen. She's not really in the 
biohacking sphere. So she's kind of, she has her like fasting community, but it's more, I mean, it's a massive community. It's more a bubble that I'm not in quite as much because it's a slightly different audience. Whereas I think with you and I, we're in a very similar audience. So the point of that is I think we're going to be running in, well, we'll be talking all the time and we'll be running into each other probably a lot. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we keep saying. Eventually we're going to meet in person, but that hasn't happened yet. (laughs) I'm sure we will. Some conference or something. I need to start going to things more. Yes, you do. I'm working on it. (laughs) Uh, Give me your travel skills, please. Oh, I love to travel. Let's just put it this way. We have a trip coming up next week. And then I have another trip right after for business. And I'm always planning the next trip. Like I just planned a trip for next November for my family, like over a long weekend. It's like, that's just my mentality. It's like, let's keep traveling. So it's fun. I'm very jealous. Like I said, if I didn't have the stress aspect that I get with disrupting my life, because I love actually being at the places. (laughs) It's like everything surrounding it. So yeah. So listeners stay tuned. Hopefully if you're on the email list, you might've actually already receive the announcement about the new co-host, but make sure you get on our email list. If not, you can get on that at ifepodcast.com. For listeners, you can, yeah, you can get everything that we talked about in today's show in the show notes at ifepodcast.com slash episode 213. The show notes will have a full transcript. So definitely check that out. They will have links to everything that we talked about. We talked about a lot of things. So that will be very, very important. Um, you can submit your own questions for the show by emailing questions at ifpodcast.com or going to ifpodcast.com and submitting questions there. Like I said, we're not mentioning the co-host now, but I do think it's out there. If you already know who the co-host is and you'd like to submit specific questions for that person, feel free to do so. And Yeah, I think that is all the things. Oh, yeah, you can follow us on Instagram. I am Melanie Avalon. Cynthia is Cynthia underscore Thurlow underscore. And we are IF Podcast. So, okie dokie. Well, anything from you, Cynthia, before we go? No, see you on our, our last episode. I know. Crazy. Well, I will see you next week. Sounds good. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, everything we discussed on this show does not constitute medical advice and no patient-doctor relationship is formed. If you enjoyed the show, please consider writing a review on iTunes. We couldn't do this without our amazing team. Administration by Sharon Merriman. Editing by Podcast Doctors. Show notes and artwork by Brianna Joyner. Transcripts by Speech Docs. And original theme composed by Leland Cox and recomposed by Steve Saunders. See you next week.